Well, it's the friend zone. Where Tim and Guy come to the friend zone and have a good time. Yes, it's the friend zone. With Tim and Guy, cause making friends is the best idea of all time. And welcome to the friend zone with Spindly Timbly Wimbly and Guy Montgomery. Uh, you're listening to this after the first episode of the director's commentary has come out, which has become unto itself a, another little mini project within the podcast, huh? Ah, oh, certainly. Uh, I would like to say I hope you enjoyed that director's commentary. We, of course, didn't contribute to that, but Maximum Joseph and Megan Oppenheimer did a fantastic job. Uh, we tagged in for the next one and the, the two that followed that. And I'll tell you this. Uh, you've you've heard of diminishing returns, uh, and that that's what those particular recordings are an experiment in. Have you listened to any of what we said back, Tim? No, which makes me a bit nervous. Uh, I yeah, look. Anyway, suffice it to say, you've got a lot of time with Tim and Guy coming up if that's what you want. And if you don't want that, I'm not going to stop you from not listening to it. I tell you, I'm not going to stop you from not listening to it. If you're not listening to those, that's fine by me, is what I'm saying. Yeah, right, gotcha, gotcha. Hey, so we're in the friend zone now, where we dig into the letter uh, mail bag. Guy and I are both a little uh, little bit dusty. Oh yeah, we had a great we had a great time together last night. We sure did, we played some pool, um, and I lost some pool to Guy, and then had to pick up, pick up a tab. You did have to pick up the tab, we did some comedy. Yes. Tim was, uh, Tim's very funny, Tim, Tim actually had a new joke that he told me today when we were having a coffee. Oh, you enjoyed it a lot. Do you want to do it on the nah. show? No, you save Not it. the place for it. Well, rest assured, uh, if you see Tim performing stand-up comedy in the next little while, he'll be doing a great joke. It's about Nazis. It's about time someone put the boot in. Now, our first message comes from Leah, who writes, Shh, Timmy Wims and Monty. I wrote in last summer to thank you for the delightful party that helped me get through my terrible grass-cutting for the military. What was that? Someone, an unknown number is oh, calling take me. take that. Let's find out who it is. Hello, guy speaking. Hey, you Taryn. How are you? It's Taryn. Uh, I'm also good, thank you. I'm actually... Taryn's um, a stand-up I'm actually comedian. recording something with Tim right now. So d- New Zealand. Uh, He's pretty good. Cool. And how long? 15. Cool. Thanks very much, man. Bye. It was tearing everybody. It sure was. I'm hearing the weirdest. It's like a con- it's like a wind tunnel. I think it's maybe it's things it, fuck, but it's adding kind of a nice ambiance. It could be one of our. It could be one of our bodies. No, I think it's a cable. I think there's something weird going on with these cables. Well, can you can you hear me in your cans? I sure can. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading you loud and clear. As you buddy. were, from the from the top, please, Tim. I wrote in last summer. With the horns, as Lindsay Buckingham intended. That's a Family Guy reference to the song Tusk by Fleetwood Mac. Timmy Wims and Monty, I wrote in last summer to thank you for the delightful podcast that helped me get through terrible grass cutting for the military. Also, you definitely thought I was a fuck boy myself, and I am definitely a fuck girl. Our bad. Our collective bad, yeah, Leah. P- apologies for that. Brackets, no worries. Gender is a spectrum, just like EDM. Here is another warm, toasty thank you from Canada to little old NZ yet again. Thank you, boys, for you are my lifeline. You are the fuck boys, and I am the squirrel. Anyway, the real tea is here. I was watching the ABC show, The Real O'Neills. 
that is now cancelled. Hey, hey, fuckers. And I stumbled upon something big. There is a reference in the show where the dad, quote, gave up Zach. Uh, gave up a Zac Efron movie in which he plays a DJ for Lent. I literally threw myself off the couch and cried. My friends were concerned and uh, there was no way to explain to them what had just happened. This brings up so many questions. Is ABC stealing your jokes? Pay the fucking boys, America. Has the dad in the show been watching uh, with you silently all along? Could he not handle season three? Did you guys kick him off the pod? Are there things you guys are just not telling us i needed to share this with someone it's not it's not too weird oh it's too weird not to some obscure terrible tv show is possibly out for your goddamn jokes or uh you nice boys have been lying to us anyway do with this what you will burn abc to the ground if you have to xoxo gossip squirrel oshan um also do what you must with my name also come to toronto to bear and make dank jokes yeah what a great message so amazing what do you think what do you think the most likely uh, here's, circumstances here's my theory and I hope I don't sound like I've got too big a head by um, putting this out there but I reckon this is some lowly TV writer who's listening to the podcast who just chucked that in and hoped it would get it would get through you know so you, you think that this is a th- there is a joke heist at play here well it's so, just too specific don't you think guy I guess it's it's not even a heist. It could be uh, an homage. Yeah. It's a shout-out to the boys. Yeah. We don't have to burn ABC to the ground. ABC should be celebrated for letting this reference to the worst idea of all time get through right onto on air. Absolutely. Tim, i got a question for you. You yeah. host a TV show now, uh, week in, week out. You host a TV show called Banter. Yeah. I don't know why you're sullying have this you, wonderful podcast by bringing that up. Have you ever buried a reference to the movie Grown Ups 2, Sex in the City 2, or Where Are Your Friends inside of one of the episodes? No, not yet. I think from here on out, what you should do is you should try and get a quote from one of those movies into each episode of Banter. Okay, will do. Um, but back to this. Do you, what do you think is the most likely outcome? I think, well, I like your version of it. I think there's a chance that... Uh, do you think it's not related to us? I think there could be some parallel thinking going on. Oh, but, but to give it up for Lent, it's too it's too specific. Like, you don't give up a movie for Lent. You give up something that you do constantly for Lent, like eating meat or um, Masturbating. Booze. Well, yeah. Have you seen the Not movie 40 Days and 40 Nights? Uh, I think a long, long time ago. Is that Josh? Josh Hartnett. Yeah. He's not allowed to come. Yeah. <laughs> for 40 Days and you 40 Nights. <laughs> what about wet dreams? I think he has a wet dream. Can't That's remember. okay. Because you don't get to choose those. No, you don't. You're not in control of that. When I was in high school... (laughs) Go on. (laughs) I don't know that I should. I had a wet dream involving... This is is before before I'd even touched a lady. Here we go. But I had a wet dream that involved... I was in way over my head. uh, Halle Berry and also the uh, Julie Cooper who was the mum, Marissa Cooper's mum, from the TV show The O.C. Jesus Christ. You're... The the impact that the show The O.C. had on your formative years continues to stagger me. You bring it up in weird and wonderful ways as as this podcast progresses. I don't think I've told many people about that wet dream. I don't usually tell people about them at all. But amongst friends. Yeah, we're in the friend zone, so um, that's, that's fine. Here we go. Dear Guybo and Tim Flash, 
Been an avid fan of the podcast since season two, and I've been hooked on the friend zone since its introduction to this stream. I was introduced to you guys while I was working in Brisbane, and I've done my utmost to spread the gospel of two courageous Kiwis suffering over the same terrible film for weeks on end. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! Oi, oi, oi! So the good people of Earth don't have to, since I returned to my native UK. To mixed responses, I must add. Well, thank you for trying to spread the prophecy. Season 3 is the first season I've listened to in real time as I spent Season 2 catching up. And I have to say, it's been a thriller. I've refrained from watching the movie as per your guidelines to preserve my own fine health. I won't postulate a theory of my own as to the nature of this film. However, with the specter of the final watches looming, I thought I'd send you some food for thought, perhaps helping you to navigate the graveyard shift with some reinvigoration. I recently came across a Guardian article that claimed to serve as a guideline for identifying dud films. Here comes the exciting part. I'm excited. Without even watching them. Yeah. Uh, Okay. How cool is that? Then I went into your room and read your diary. Uh, That's not in the letter. That's a a weasel lyric, I think. Okay. Anyway, I'd be interested to know how the points made here would relate to where your friends and your minds. I've been to write for some time and would simply like to add that you both have brought great joy and much laughter into my life which I thank you immensely for keep fighting the good fight the end is near if this makes it into the friend zone it would be a pleasure if you read out my name Michael Quinn and then he sent a link to the article on the Guardian come on without come on on within we just read a letter from from young Michael Quinn you Uh, did a better job of filling in the right number of syllables further be interesting to see how well you think this metric works in relation to all three of the films you guys have watched in addition to Waif so uh, has he got a link to the he's he's linked to the article shall I open yeah yeah have a perusal okay so the image they've used for the article the frankly guy it would be rude not to to read that entire message and then not open the meat and potatoes so the photo is one of Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler and the heading is how to spot a bad film without even seeing it. What was that movie that they were the supposed house? To... You oh, saw yeah, it. I did see that. And do do you want to know what everyone? I love both of those. In fact, I loved pretty much every cast member in it, and I I did not love the movie. It's okay. Hey, I think because my expectations were set so high. Here are the here are the things. Embargoed reviews. That's one of the okay. t- telltale signs of how to avoid a bad movie. Okay. Sub 90 minute running time. Okay. Production rumors. Production rumors. Come on. You know, people are joining and leaving a project. Star Wars. Those guys who were directing Star Wars, they left very close to completion. Didn't they? I don't know. They did. You know that. The guys who did Jump Street, they got booted off Star Wars recently. What are you talking about? I don't know how to be any more explicit. What do you mean the guys who did Jump Street? The directors who directed 21 Jump Street together were yeah. directing a Star Wars film. And then they they bailed off and had to they be got, replaced. They got replaced with like 10 days to go to wrap. Oh, okay. So someone just came in to finish off a few bloody reshoots or something. Well, but that's a production rumor, isn't it? Is. It is. Well, it is. It's a production reality. Even. But anyway, let's hear the rest of these points. I'm dubious about this list, to be honest. The Guardian. Poster chicanery. <laughs> I think you like that because you like the word chicanery. I sure do. Uh, post, hold on, do they elaborate on what poster chicanery well, so is? So all of, this list is all being given in the context of reviewing the film The House. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. So the, after poster chicanery, they say, obviously there are no critics' quotes to be found on The House's poster. This is because A, there was a review embargo, and B, the nicest thing genuinely that anyone has said about The House is that it's a dark, startlingly bloody journey into the bitter, empty, broken heart of the American middle class, <laughs> which might look a bit out of place on a poster for a kooky, good-time Will Ferrell comedy. Uh, and then the last, the last one. Do you in- know? Okay. Do you, can I describe something that happened in my head? 
Do you know why I didn't know this was the house first up? When you said Amy Poehler and Will Ferrell, in my head, I went Will Arnett. Ah. No. And I was like, what is the movie that they've done? Because I'm sure they have. They were married. I don't think they are anymore, are they? But no, they were married for anymore. a time. They were for a time. They have children together. Yes. And uh, I, I hope that the divorce wasn't too hard on the kids. And I echo Guy's sentiments. Uh, that's Yeah, that's where my head went. Okay, well, listen, Guardian... You write articles about anything, won't and, you? And you know that's that's, that's clickbait is what you've created there. And then the last one was interviews about anything but the film, and it specifically goes on to reference Will Ferrell's appearance on Conan with a painted face when he sang "Superstar" by the Carpenters. Oh fuck off! He is known for his uh, talk show chicanery. That's that's his mo. Uh, what I'm doing now, guys, I'm opening up um, the "We Are Your Friends" posters on Google Image Search to uh, have a look for chicanery there, and. I mean, it's big on Efron, eh? To the point where a lot of the poster imagery is the four fuckboys, but the other three have got their backs turned because you don't need to see who they are, but Zac Efron is facing the camera, and it's just got Zac Efron in big title. Because yeah. that's what you're paying for, eh? That's what they were banking on. Um, that is pretty ruthless to the other guys. This, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for the other movies we've done. There's no quotes on We Are Your Friends. Um, there will be no quotes on the city too. Post it, and I'll do grown ups too. Okay, very good. Uh, let's have a look. Oh, that's right, <laughs> a lot of Photoshop going on. That's what I'm seeing. Ah, there is no quotes, eh? And neither on grown ups too. Well, hold on, but think of a good movie real quick. What's a good? What's a? What's just a good movie? Any good movie that's come out the last ten years? Uh, well, it's ob- hard when I put a gun to your head. Isn't obviously, it? there are plenty. Uh, the movie Interstellar. You like that oh, movie? I love that movie. Interstellar. Wow, I've spelt that probably quite wrong. Oh no, nailed it. Okay, here's the movie poster for Interstellar. Um, I can't see. Maybe quotes aren't on movie posters anymore. You know? Yeah. Maybe that's what's going on here. Grown ups too. It's just lots of different photos of um, its stars, which is obviously that's that's how the film got approved. That's the marketing material. A lot of it is like images of them as though they're jumping off a big grown ups too. Like it's a Suicide 35? Dude, you know what I'm um, looking up now? The poster for Dunkirk. Because I know that's good. We went to that recently. Tim and I went to a movie together in our leisure time and we didn't even, we didn't publicly discuss it. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh man, I think they, I don't think they put um, quotes on movie posters anymore. Anyway, look, let's press forward. Yeah. In the friend zone. Cold the man. Oh shit, I hope he's alright for... Well, let's find out. <laughs> Dear Timbo and Guy Guy, I recently found myself with a Monday off for Canada Day. Uh, this was sent a little while ago. The uh, eagle-eyed among you will, will detect that. I made a terrible choice and I'm halfway through We Are Your Friends. So far, this is 48 minutes of my life I'm never getting back. If I had to describe the movie so far, I'd say it's the fantasy of that guy from high school that thinks they're going to be a professional DJ after they drop out. That is accurate. I now know why you don't plan on doing another season. Take Paul's advice before it's too late, while you're still young. I cannot imagine sitting through this 52 times. 3.46 days of your life given to this lackluster movie. That math doesn't sound right to me, by the way. We'll double check that. That said, the MacBook box just appeared on screen while I write this. Based on him saying uh, it's a self-serving gift, I believe the box contains Monopoly money. He wanted to see the look of excitement upon receiving a MacBook just to know it will be followed by the disappointment of seeing all that fake colourful paper money. Brackets. If someone has already said that, I'm a month or two behind and apologies. 
No, you're it actually in the, says apologise. You're in the clear. Godspeed, gents. I'll be sad to see the podcast go, but I'll be glad to know you'll be free of it. Say my name. Thank God. Colderman. D-man is how you pronounce it. Go ahead. Make the obvious joke. I won't. P.S. I demand you make the obvious joke, Tim. Oh, that's where you went with it. I was going to say Cole's D-man. I'm sure that's the one he's he's gotten 6,000 times before. No, P.S. I don't think so. I think it's putting a D on it and saying demand. Your pronunciation of Rowley was driving me nuts, but you're so deep in it now, I admire your stubbornness. Rowley. Rowley. Who knows? Fucking who cares? <laughs> I tell you who cares. A lot of people. Cole man cares. Oh, and actually, can I follow up that last email with another one? This is highly unorthodox, but the subject line is stay away from Rawley. And it's a, sh- <laughs> a short one from Joe, who says, Dearest Tip Top Tom and Guy Dude, I hope this cautionary tale helps you realise that this Rawley business can only end in bloodshed. And then there's a link. As your legal counsel, I advise you never to speak of or think of Rawley again. Then it's a National Post um, article. Uh, it says the strange tale of a man who was shot point, point blank for mispronouncing Newfoundland in the Old West. Don't, well, I'm not so worried about that. I'll tell you what's exciting for the good people of Raleigh. Yeah. Uh, is an, they're going to get an Urban Outfitters in downtown Raleigh. Oh, that's fucking tremendous. Yeah. They're going to go in the Dillon building in the warehouse district on West Street. So it's a lot to get excited about, as always, in North Carolina's beautiful town of Raleigh. Congratulations, fuckers. Say my name, you son of a bitch. Done. Oh, De- wait. Who is it? Not saying yet. Okay. Dear Bruce Wayne and Barry Allen. <laughs> Do you know who Barry Allen is? No. The Flash. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's that very good. so good. I'm amazed we've been... In fact, well done, person whose name I'm yet to know. I'm writing to say thank you for the many hours of hearty chuckles the podcast has given me over the last few years. Listen to your extended forays into cinematic self-flagellation. During the recent delay between episodes, I found myself missing your dulcet Kiwi tones and decided to chip into the Patreon in order to get some more time with my two favourite fuckboys. Uh-oh. Which makes me wonder if maybe the delay was a clever marketing ploy to drive up pledges. Perhaps another example of Tim's business acumen. Secondably... After listening to season episode three of the Patreon, the very enlightening commentary by Richard Kelly and Bo Hyde of their film Southland Tales, I was overcome by an urge to know what the plot of the film was. Some oh my call, god, couldn't tell you. Some would call that a shortcoming of the director's commentary, <laughs> but I disagree. It was while searching the interwebs for a synopsis that I stumbled upon a blog called The Wicker Breaker, and that blog's review every week for a year of Southland Tales. Could it be that Holy someone shit. out there has stolen our boy's idea whilst also forwarding the watching of this inscrutable film? Do you think, as the final season of the pod begins to wind down, that all reviewers should have to watch the films they review at least 52 times before their reviews can be taken seriously? And all previous reviews, struck from history as feeble, inept attempts to truly understand what they're watching. I imagine a world where we look back at Bat and Montgomery as pioneers of true cinema critiquing and antipathy in Siskel and Ebert. I'm sorry to just interrupt you for a second. Can you just correct? I'm just trying to fix this ocean sound i think maybe it's the two things rubbing up against each other give me that thing we're just doing a thing everyone please we're be just with doing us a test. The, uh, this is a guy stumbled into a really hot theory so sorry i missed i got distracted by um trying to fix this thing what was the what was what uh what was pretty the, much uh do you think as the final season of the pod begins to wind down that all reviewers should have to watch the films they review at least 52 times before the reviews can be taken seriously and all previous reviews be struck from history as feeble um we cannot 
possibly delve into why what you've just said is both timely and accurate, but hopefully with the fullness of time, this particular letter writer's memo, just, just I want everyone listening right now to bookmark what has just been said. Yeah. Everyone please bookmark it because if things happen as they should, you're going to be proved more right than Nostradamus. You are truly a fortune teller of the highest order. Keep up the good work, boys. The light is at the end of the tunnel now, and while I'll be sad to hear the end, I'm happy knowing that I'll always have three seasons of some truly brilliant work that you can never take away no matter how much you try. You rat bastards. Cheers, Zach Shepard. Zach Shepard may have written the best friend zone letter of, of this current season. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I thought that was... I mean, Barry Allen got me. Yeah. And then it kept me with, um, hopefully, uh, like, we won't get into it, but you'll see. So I've looked up the Wicker Breaker. There's a website called thewickerbreaker.com. Uh, it's got some interesting imagery on here. There's a sumo wrestler who's midia about to crush a chair underneath him, from my understanding of physics. Um, I don't know what it... So is he saying that this is where they watch Southland Tale all the time? Once a week? I. Uh, Yes. You can hear the ocean, eh? I don't know what's causing that. Yeah, I don't that. know what's causing that either. Like, it's 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 not going to be fixed, that's for sure. I'm going to have a look into that Wicker Breaker thing, but I don't want to put out this idea that people are stealing our idea just by watching a movie multiple times. I mean, I think at a, at a bare minimum, we were probably influenced by the uh, Julie and Julia. Is that what it's called, dude? Who baked all the recipes and kept watching that film over and over and over again. Yeah, he Is wrote. That what he wrote Julian Juliet. Julian Julia. Julia. He wrote. A, he, he wrote Julia a Charles. blog every day. Can you imagine? No, it's so it's such a lonely pursuit to write by yourself every day. You got to give it audio. You got to breathe audio into it. That's the secret. Jordan writes, "Dear Earthworm Tim and 007 Golden Guy," very strong opening. I've only recently stumbled across your podcast and my life has become all the more richer as a result. Recently, I was mindlessly scrolling through my Facebook newsfeed only to stumble across this article about an old sponsor of yours, Blaze Pizza. It's from Forbes. We'll get into the link later. Guy is shaking his head. He looks distraught. While I cannot help but rejoice in uh, Blaze Pizza's rapid rise to the top of the fast food pyramid, I can't help but feel that the fuck boys have been slighted. With Blaze Pizza's success being attributed almost entirely to some young sports upstart called LeBron James. I'm not sure if this has been discussed amongst yourselves before, and if it has, I am sorry for opening up old wounds. Hashtag fuckboys. Hashtag pay the boys. Hashtag pay the fuckboys. Yours forever, Jordan Hamill. P.S. If schedule allows, please come to the coolest little capital, Wellington, to record one of your remaining episodes. P.P.S. In the final scenes of We Are Your Friends, when Zicoli is playing his redemption song, he strikes the same synth key twice in succession, yet he produces two clearly different tones. I mean, what are we to believe? That this is some magical synthesizer or something? <laughs> Boy, I really hope somebody got fired for that blunder. And let me tell you, Jordan, as, as two avid Simpsons fans, nice one. That's great stuff. Um, the Forbes link, just so we're all aware, the title of that is uh, "LeBron James Backed Blaze Pizza Is Growing Is Fastest Growing Restaurant Chain Ever." Um, you know what it should say? Tim and Guy Backed Fast Food Restaurant Blaze Pizza Is the Fastest Chain Fastest Growing Chain Ever. 
fucking that, hell. That's, you, what it sh- that's what it should say. You're dead on with those hashtags, Jordan. Hey, I got a big one here. I really want to sort out this ocean noise, but um, now I'm kind of enjoying it. So go on. As your attorney in California, mm. I'd like to discuss a, a couple of legal issues addressed in episode 47. Uh-oh. First of all, Guy cannot sue Tim because Tim does not care about his clothes unless the two of you entered into a contract where which Tim was obligated to care about his clothes. However, I feel a court would find this contract impossible to enforce, therefore releasing Tim from the obligation of caring about his clothes. Secondly, in order to find the fuckboys guilty of manslaughter, we first have to determine if it is voluntary or involuntary manslaughter. For it to be voluntary, we need to show they acted with a conscious disregard for human life, but acted without malice. This generally applies to crimes committed in the heat of passion, therefore malice does not exist. We're most likely looking at involuntary manslaughter because nothing indicates they wanted squirrel dead, malice withstanding. The best avenue conviction would be showing criminal negligence in buying and supplying squirrel with drugs that killed him. The movie glossing over any investigation of the source of squirrel's death is a legal inaccuracy. These assholes should be staring at two to four years of prison time. And that comes from our friend, someone Smith. Very good. Very good, Smith. Um, thank you for that legalese. So... I kind of tuned in and out uh, of that, I, I have to confess. I found it a little bit hard to follow with the technical language there. But the upshot seems to be that they would not, um, in all likelihood, be found guilty of manslaughter. No, they would. Oh, so manslaughter, two, yes. Two, murder, no. Yeah, but the, uh, so there's murder. Yes. Is the wor- obviously, that's the worst one. Yeah. And then there's uh, voluntary manslaughter and involuntary manslaughter. Yes. So if, they'd, if they had acted... On passion in the moment, yes, they could be convicted of a voluntary manslaughter. But this is just carelessness. So this is just they plied squirrel with cheap drugs that they've got. So it's in, it will be involuntary manslaughter if right. they did stand trial. Right. Fucking good to know. The more you know, eh? Dun, 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 dun. What big old one? Yeah. <laughs> well, here's a short one. Is a little amuse. Oh no, what do we call it? A uh, sorbet in between. Ryan writes, "Hey Tim." I'm a big fan. Just suggesting you watch The Room 2 or Bride Mick for season four. Uh, Ivan, I wasn't aware either of those were movies. First of all, The Room has a sequel? Sounds like it. Can you Google that? Yeah, yeah. And then, I don't know what Bride, Bride Mick is. B-R-I-D-E-M-I-C. The Room 2 is a 2013 puzzle video game. A video game? Developed by British-based Fireproof Games as a sequel to The Room. Is it light? Is, does it appear licensed? Oh man, Bur- oh Birdemic is how you pronounce it. Shock and Terror is oh. the subtitle of that film. Came out in 2010. It has uh, 1.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh uh, yeah, pretty low. I'm, lo- I'm looking at it here. 19% oh my God, for Rotten Tomatoes. Let me just um, one moment, caller. I'll, we'll just be. We'll be right back. Still in it to win it. Give us your big message, guy. Okay. Recently, Tim started sharing theories about the American intelligence apparatus and its founding. J. Edgar Hoover was not, in fact, president. That was Herbert Hoover and had nothing to do with the CIA, but he ran the Federal Bureau of Investigation for 40 years. This one sounds familiar. He kept in power by collecting blackmail information on every politician he could and outlasted five presidents. Yeah, haven't we read this one in the last friend zone? I don't remember any of this information. Oh, okay. Keep going. The most infamous story about Hoover is that he was a cross-dresser. That is a myth. He did not dress as a woman for pleasure. Rather, he did it to assume his alter ego, K. Edna Schumer, and start the Federal Bear Council. Do you not remember this message? 
No? Okay, keep going. It's definitely been on. It's it's bloody good. Keep going. J. Edgar Hoover ran both the FBI and the FBI, with while K. Edna Schumer ran the FBC. The truth is that Hoover was forced to create the Federal Bear Institute by a group of bear supremacists who wanted to bend U.S. policy towards bears. He had to assume a phony identity to fight back against the U.S. sign dominance. This ended with Hoover's death in 1972, but the legacy of bear politics lives on. Until recently, the director of the FBI, both of them, was James Comey, who was known for being anti-bear. Comey's over two metres tall and probably wrestled bears himself. The bears hated Comey, but couldn't overpower him by force, so they had to find another way. A couple months ago, President Donald Trump fired Comey. He said in an interview that he did it because he was trying to stop investigations of his ties to Russia. Many people thought it was foolish to admit that publicly, but he was actually trying to send a coded message. What is the symbol of Russia? A bear. The bear. Trump is trying to tell people that a group of bears are threatening him and his family, forcing him to fire the head of the FBI for being anti-bear. Congratulations on Tim for bringing attention to this issue, but if you find yourself being followed by men in suits who try to look inconspicuous, keep an eye on them. Are they actually several hundred pounds and covered in fur? If so, they might be disguised bears. I'd keep some honey on you at all times. Just in case, how do I not remember that at all? I don't know because it's frankly you, hilarious. Has it been sent? It must maybe it was sent as an email that you read to yourself. It's possible. No, it, either way, great, just that, great stuff. And that is from uh, that's from someone who lives in Charleston, South Carolina, which is obviously just south of the border where we'll find Raleigh. Um, and I got you know, there's a lot of stuff happening in Raleigh at the moment. Do you know that, Tim? Hit me. What else is going on there? Uh, Apart from the Urban Outfitters. Well. They've put in a bid. Let's face it. The Charlotte Agenda, 14 hours ago, published an article saying, let's face it, Rally has the better Major League Soccer bid. So Charlotte and Rally, the two biggest cities in the in the state, are battling over who gets the rights to have a Major League Soccer team in their, in their town. And someone from Charlotte, a sports writer named Andrew Dunn, is conceding that Rally have a better case. They've got a better bid. So not only is the town of Rally going to get an Urban Outfitters, but it looks like they could also get a professional sports team what? playing the beautiful game. Does Char- Charlotte's got the Hornets, eh? Charlotte does have the Charlotte Hornets. They play basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Kemba it's- Walker is their best player. I think Scotty Pippen used to play for the Hornets, didn't he? Nah. Oh, maybe I got that wrong. Um, I think he played for the Trailblazers in his twilight years. Although he might have bounced around a few teams. I'm not sure if you uh, really have me convinced that there's a ton going on there, but oh, they've I guess got, it's they've bubbling, got civic pride I'll bubbling tell you under that. the surface. Would you like me to continue with a message from a man? Yes, please. The man writes, Dear Kakapo Tim and Haast Eagles Guy. Oh, what? I love Haast Eagles. <laughs> Who doesn't, eh? Fuck, they're good. We don't... New Zealand, if you meet a New Zealander, they will talk to you about the Haast Eagle. Um, but we don't, as a nation, talk about the Haast Eagle enough because we're it's embarrassed. extinct yeah. now. We're embarrassed because they're gone. Look at uh, this. Look at this bird. It was the biggest, I think it was the biggest bird. Well, that's got to be an artist's rendition because they went around the same time as photographers, were they? Yeah, no, this is not, a, This is. there's no colour photos of a Haast Eagle. This is yeah. a, an animation, Tim. Gotcha. Or like a construction. It's yeah, it's certainly not a, It's not the actual. It's not, actual, it's not the no, bird. It's not the bird. But it, it, I mean, it only went extinct like uh, you know. I think it was early eighteen hundreds or so. As the mower went extinct, extinct, so too did the Haast eagle because yes. it had it, there was no prey for it. Yes, the the mower was a big bird in New Zealand, and in it and was of itself, the mower was big. That's right, huge, massive. I think it grew to like two meters tall, and. Um, the thing couldn't get yeah, off the ground. It wasn't built for flight. It so could reach 
3.6 meters in height that's with neck outstretched and weighed incredible. about 230 kilograms. So, so that's just a walking meat popsicle for the Hast Eagle. It's just walking around going, eat me, eat me. And so they did. And then, uh, oh, but also the, uh, the indigenous people of New Zealand, the Maori, they hunted the moa to extinction because they were also like that thing is fucking delicious. That big old meat popsicle is a bit of me. And uh, yum, yum. Hence, when the food source went, the Hast Eagle went to. Anyway, off the bat, I love you boys. You are good, brave, strong like the bull, but also sensitive boys. With or without kisses, your three seasons have been such gifts, and I am grateful. Like my friend Josh, who lived who led me your way and who mentioned his daily shining light highlight of the day tradition with his seven-year-old on a recent friend zone. My wife and I and nearly three-year-old son also go around the dinner table each night and share our shining light of our respective days. Guys, very happy to hear this and so am I. I suppose... Sorry, I've, I've fucked it up. I suppose this sort of implies that our days were all shit with the exception of the shining light. But hey, without the full... Uh, T-W-I-O-T-A-T context a shining light can just be what it sounds like a beautiful beautiful thing that can bring a goddamn family together on a nightly basis check out the attached recording if you'd like to hear an almost three year old ask me what my shining light is albeit in a hesitant after the fact way which really screams quote why are you pointing your phone at me and making me say this while I'm in a bathtub and we didn't already do this once tonight Papa on to the cannibalism. Oh, okay, this is changed <laughs> tone. You boys somehow seem to know everything about the United States of America, so I'm hoping you know about the Donner Party. I don't. 1846. Wagon train from the East Coast headed west to California, bogged down in heavy snows in the Sierra Nevada mountains. Starvation, eventual cannibalism, just to make it through the winter. Well... Here's where it gets interesting. Of the 87 people who started the journey, just 47 survived. Many via man-munching. Only two families survived in, intact, experiencing no deaths whatsoever. One of these families? The Reeds. Head boy of the family? James Reed. Middle initial? F. James F. Reed. I'll give you one guess what the F is for. From the feelers, of course. I might mention <laughs> now that James F. Reed killed a man earlier in the journey and was banished onto that, uh, uh, onto the point. It is, it is canon that James Reed from the feelers and we are your friends is an empty devil vessel. But hear me now, boys. It's not the first time the devil has been inside James Reed. It was the devil who possessed this 19th century James Reed to kill a man and was banished. It was the devil that allowed his entire family to survive the harrowing journey intact. It was the devil that made all those other people eat each other. The fact that James F. Reed later went on to resupply and rescue many of the party only further proves this devilishness. As the American West being successfully settled by European colonists was emphatically evil for all the indigenous people of the region. If we were to really look into it, we may in fact find that the devil has been body hopping James Reed's ever since his initial fall, living forever via gold alchemy fusion process perhaps? But maybe not forever. Now that the devil is, has mentored Zuccoli and has spawned in him that horrific movie ending DJ track, is his work finally done? Who knows? Who cares? Just had to chuck one message your way to let you know that you two fine Kiwis have provided essentially the sole content that I consume in spare moments between the business of work and fatherhood for the last year, and I thank you for twisting my mind in all good ways. You are all uh, you are legends. I look forward to the next chapter. Your five dollar patronizer, 
Alex Jones. Not that Alex Jones for all you politics from from Santa Cruz. A man capable of writing short messages, which I blame on my dad. Oh, incapable, like Mark Maron might. Uh, <laughs> that, was a, that was a great message. It was wonderful. Also, I can't play that audio recording into this. I'm sorry. Uh, although I looked up the Donner Party yeah, of 1846, and the, the blurb that they provide on Wikipedia is much less... So we go into the whole cannibalism uh, element. It just says... Uh, it was a group of American pioneers led by George Donner and James F. Reed who set out for California in a wagon train in May of 46. They were delayed by a series of mishaps and mistakes and spent the winter of 1946 to 47 snowbound in the Sierra Nevada. Would you call cannibalism a mishap or a mistake? I think if you were a descendant of, I don't know if either a Donner or a Reed has been editing the Wikipedia page, but <laughs> I'd I think, say so. Yeah, I think maybe you would. Um, Do you want to round off? Yeah, I'll round it out with a lovely message of hope. Hey, now, and Alex, thank you for that um, tremendous outpouring yeah. of theorizing and family love. It was you wonderful. are our friend. So, hello, Timbo and Guy Guy. If you read this on the friend zone, please don't use my name. Massive fan of the potty. What's his name? <laughs> I'm just James, I'm James him. Morrison Morrison. I've been listening to season two as this season comes to a close. Many happy memories as you two wonderful boys losing your mind help me get through my first year of teaching. Slow it down a beat, guy. Anyway. Enjoy yourself. Messaging to say I got a date by connecting with a girl discussing your podcast. Yes, boy. We're going to get some flaming hot Java in the cold streets of Melbourne next week with any luck. Good luck as you two come closer to the end. All the best, guys. Good luck on your date, James, James, Morrison, Morrison. Tell you what, those Melbourneites, gorgeous people. Yeah, and they... they, they Dreamy they, men and women. They don't mind a good cup of... Um, of Java. Oh, God, oh, what just happened there? I just cut out. Oh, but I'm back. Oh, we're, st- we're still going. Okay, we're still here. Um, oh, man. Gorgeous people of every stripe in Melbourne. So I hope you enjoy your date. I hope it goes well. And if anyone's listening out there and has been uh, brought together with their beloved... Uh, by the virtue of the worst idea of all time and you've got a kid let us know because we're still oh wait have we been contacted a bit? have we got the first worst idea kid yet do they exist uh i think maybe i don't think we know about them yet officially on the record and i i would love one output for this whole project to be a human life a human life that is a lot of responsibility to take on tim uh also quite quickly like to say to, to eric and those of you at home will remember this uh Uploaded an entirely remixed version of the worst idea of all oh time. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, who just said it? Uh, uh, I'm I'm downloading this this file now, and I'm telling you, Tim, and you, our friend, listening at home, uh, that the next screening of We Are Your Friends will be this version. Although you're gonna, while listening, get a whole lot of wow. We'll have to look at them, but directors' commentaries before then. Yes. Anyway, all that to say, thank you for listening. Thanks for writing in. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Have oh, and can I just give a quick shout out to my mate Guy Montgomery, who's a fucking champ and uh, he's a cool guy. Absolutely, that's exactly what the friend zone's for. I wish I, I wish I had someone to to shout out to, but maybe next week. Go fuck yourself. Well, it's the friend zone with Tim and Guy. Come to the friend zone and have a good time. Yes, it's the friend zone with Tim and Guy. Friends is the best idea of all time.